Yeah, I'm not sure if this is what the cool kids use, but it, it's a uh, audio hijack, and it's like it's like a suite of products that, on on Mac. Um, cool. Yeah, I recently swapped to Mac, or I still have a, a my Linux desktop that I use for my daily driver for uh, like just side side projects and stuff. But my Mac, I've been gradu I've been gravitating more towards just mm. because I, I fell in love with OmniFocus or productivity. Uh, OmniFocus, Notion, and um, Fantastical Calendar. That's like kind of, kind of my current um, like task setup. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's really useful for uh, like keeping track of all the things you have to do without having to try to remember them or you yeah. Know. I have Fantastical for uh, like on iOS, so I have it on mm -hmm. an iPhone, but I don't have it on my Mac. I, I kind of like the stock calendar on on, on Mac, but, but yeah, I do really like Fantastical. I just I don't know. Never I guess I yeah. never actually paid for it. Yeah. And in terms of like to do apps, I I use this app called Todoist. It's not as oh uh, yeah, it's not as like full featured as Omni. Like that, Omni Focus. That lets you do uh, that lets you do nested uh, to do statements, right? So you can do a to do inside the to do, right? And Todoist. Um, yeah, it's very possible. It may have been something else. Okay, yeah. So remember, I, I was looking for something that would let me do nested to-dos, and I believe Todoist would let you do that. Yeah, they they have added some new features. I'm not sure. My 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 to-do um, methodology is is somewhat rudimentary. Like I, I have a bunch of kind of late like categories, mm. but beyond that, like I don't have you know like I think a lot of like OmniFocus can do like projects, right? So you have yeah uh you know a bunch of to do's that roll up to like a single to do kind of thing not but you don't necessarily have to go with omnifocus with their price point you can get by like uh and perfectly well with other stuff like you said to doist but um one i would recommend for anyone running a linux desktop it's open source uh, it's getting things known it's just like omnifocus where implements getting things done but uh, it's but the only downside is it's only for Linux, and you have to, I believe I'm not sure if you have to have GNOME as your display manager, but I know you have to. They don't make it for Windows or Mac, so yeah, yeah. Anyways, I, do you want to talk about WGU or, or um, get into that? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> well, let me just start by saying you know I think we we just recently met right I reached out to you because I, mm -hmm. I think I saw yeah. your I think I saw you know somebody linked to your blog um, yeah my, on Twitter uh, and you know I, mm -hmm. I took a look at it and uh, you know saw that you I mean it looks like recently started it because your first post was in July um, yeah obviously <laughs> I, I I reached out to you I think that same day to see if you'd be interested yeah. in the podcast so yeah I'd say you know to start if you if you you know want to <laughs> introduce yourself and, and then um, yeah, we can get into kind of where you are with WGU. Sure. So my name's Kyle. I go by Creator Second, the community. Um, I recently started a blog. Uh, for my day-to-day -day job, I work as a cloud infrastructure engineer, which is really um, sounds way better than it is. It's really just pushing buttons in an IT role. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to make the transition into information security. I've been trying to do that for, it's, I'd say, the last year and a half. Um, my plan was, I, I've described this in my blog, but basically to go into IT and get two years of uh, non-entry-level IT experience, 
which that's why I'm in my current role, and then go straight and skip over the SOC and go straight into uh, penetration testing. That was at least my plan a year and a half ago. Things have changed a little. I'm not too sure now if I want to go into SOC role just because threat hunting seems fun or something else. Maybe look to see what security engineering is all about. But basically, I started this blog because I felt like when I went into the interview room, I feel like this is common for a lot of people. You go into the interview room, you don't have any uh, security, cyber, uh, information security experience. And you can't, like, you may have, like, a security plus to validate your knowledge, but everything else you have to really prove, and it makes it a lot easier to prove if you have a blog in your resume mentioned or in your LinkedIn where it shows all the projects you, you've done or shows you talking about subjects, and then that employer may get interested, go to the blog and see, oh, he's talking about breaking into security, so he knows how to break in into the field the right way and not just try being a paper cert or something. Yeah. So I, I think, think <clears throat> I think that's like, that's a great, you know, I, I wrote about this myself recently about why you should start a blog. But I think what, what typically happens is, you know, you send your resume off, some recruiter looks at it, says, okay, check, they checked all the boxes that they needed to check. Mm -hmm. They put it on the desk of the hiring manager. Hiring manager takes a look at a bunch of resumes and yeah. They look at yours and say, okay, well, this guy is linked to his GitHub or he's linked to his blog. Let me take a look. This is great. So he goes, takes a look, and he forms this – he'll form an opinion about you, right? Yeah. And as long as your blog is not completely just like weird or, or off yeah. topic. Uh, or misconfigured. You know, they get a, I mean, they'll get a good – yeah, or like purposely vulnerable. I guess if it's yeah. purposely, but like unpurposely vulnerable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so, so they'll go in and they'll say, Hey, you know, like they, they already kind of know you and mm -hmm. they already have this opinion about you. Whereas if you go into an interview cold, they don't know anything about you. So you only have, you yeah. have, you have, but a short period of time to tell them who you are to demonstrate your experience. Whereas you, you get hours and hours you know, presumably if, if they exactly. get a chance to look at your blog first. So it really gives yeah. you a lot of time and something that you can't really demonstrate in a 30 minute interview. Yeah, I think it's great. And I, like you said, it's a lot of stuff. You can fit a lot of things into a blog that you can't fit into a 30 minute interview. So like you said, um, and that's, that's a really great tool. So blog, a blog is one example of that. Other things you can put on your resume that, um, that, kind of add more information than you can fit in 30 minutes is like uh, any scholarships. Uh, if you're still in university, definitely try applying for scholarships because being uh, receiving a scholarship for academic excellence or something like that looks great on a resume for an entry level. Not, I don't, I don't believe you can correct me on this, but I don't believe that sort of college, uh, you know, uh, experience beyond just having a degree is that important in the eyes of managers once you have a significant uh, security experience like they they won't really be too concerned with your gpa or anything like that unless you're like going in entry level would you agree with that or would you correct that or what's your opinion on that yeah i would say probably you know after the first year or two after you get out of college your GPA, I, I, to be honest, I think even directly out of school, I wouldn't bother putting your GPA on there, yeah, and especially yeah. at InfoSec. I don't think, I don't care about someone's GPA. I don't, you know, I care about 
I think a lot of security managers, they, they really just care about what can you do. They don't even really care about what classes exactly, you yeah. took. I mean, if the classes you take help direct the line of questioning, I think that's that's really kind of how you want your resume to look. Obviously, you want it to be applicable to the job, but you want to put things on your resume that when they ask you about it, you can answer it you know, eloquently and, and with some knowledge behind what you're saying. So if you did a little bit of Java programming in your, in, at, at your university, but you're not really, but you don't really know that much about programming. I wouldn't put it on there. Um, because if they ask, cause everything on your resume is fair game to, to ask about. And yeah. in a lot of cases, yeah, entry level, like jobs, like they don't really expect you to know much. Um, so really they just, they're just trying to get to know you, trying to get to, you know, see how you respond to questions, how you think, right? So if they ask you something and you stumble, um, I mean, it's not like a, 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 you know, a death knell or anything, but, uh, you know, I would just put stuff on your resume that you feel confident about, that you're excited about, that you want to yeah. talk about. I agree. You're much better off putting in less significant with projects that are uh, things you've done than lying and putting in something over exaggerated because if the, for that exact reason, if they call you on it and you stumble, it's going to look a thousand times worse than if you have, I wrote a, uh, a uh, time or a time logging application in Python, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, cause that's a pretty straightforward program to make just, and I think like whenever the other thing is whenever you're, I feel like a lot of people in this field get into security because they're doing IT and security as a hobby, as something they enjoy either when they're growing up just or projects on the side. So you, one thing I always wasn't very good at that I try to be better at, I think it'd be good if more people are tried to be good at is when you're just doing those side projects and hobbies, start a journal and write down all those different projects you've done. Cause I've, I've I do a couple dozen just little projects and stuff on the side a year for fun. And I forget probably the 90% of them. And I, I don't remember them unless someone brings it up. And that, that type sort of uh, projects and stuff looks great on a resume. Yeah, so what I've started doing, and I think I would I would recommend others do is is obviously, and it's related to, to our conversation here with the blog, is you know mm -hmm. if you're doing a project, you should write it up, right? Write it up, stick it in a blog post, share it with other people. If nothing, I mean, it, if nothing, you know, else and nobody really reads it, you have it, right? To go back to as a reference. But I'll say sometimes that's hard because sometimes the little projects you do don't really materialize in such a way that it's really mm -hmm. like a blog post. So what I would say to do there, and I've started doing something somewhat similar to this is, and it's related to to your note on on journaling is I've I've created a I think I call it the captain's log or something silly. Oh yes, I saw that link. Yeah. It's it's really a, everything. It's it's more it's more like a journal in the more traditional sense where I'm just like talking about my life. Um, mm -hmm. But what 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 you can do that is kind of just like micro record your smaller things that you learn or that's the, that's the, a really the, good idea. Yeah. So then it's it's this it, you know. It, Ultimately, it ends up being this sort of somewhat disorganized, um, but mildly kind of contiguous, like stream of little things that you've been learning uh, and doing, right? And it doesn't have to material. Like mm -hmm. Maybe maybe one day you circle back around to something and you say, "Hey, I think I can turn you know these three things I did over the course of six months into a 
you know, a piece, right? A blog post or something. But, you know, in the absence of that, you have just some stuff that you've recorded, right? Uh, and and yeah, one thing that uh, I guess my version of that that I've tried to start recently is whenever I do something like I was setting up a logging server where to aggregate the logs, but it wasn't it wasn't something I guess where I wanted to write an article on it because I want to get more experience with logging and aggregation and visualization through it. So it's not something I want to dip my toes into yet. But what I did is I just took a, I put, I tweeted out a photo of the logging visualization I set up. Just a quick tweet. It doesn't have to be an image. You can do a text also. Just describing something cool you just did, like a project or something like that. Maybe it's not enough for a blog post or something, or you don't have the time to do a blog post. We're just tweeting it out uh, into the security community. One, you'll have a record of it in your previous tweet history. And two, um, it's faster than probably updating a some sort of log if you have it on on a blog. So you could always tweet and then review your tweets at the end of the day or end of the week and add it to your captain's log. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing you you mentioned earlier that I thought was somewhat interesting is you know your original plan was you know to get into IT and then transition to infosec. Uh, but more specifically, mm -hmm. pen testing. Um, and uh, you you noted that, you know, after having, I guess, gotten into the IT industry for a bit or, or learned a little bit more about the broader world of InfoSec, you were, you were considering now other roles that, you know, that mm -hmm. are not pen testing. So I'm curious, just what was your initial, because I feel like a lot of people who are interested yeah, in InfoSec yeah. have the same evolution right they think oh like maybe they see something on the news or they just know that infosex is a good field to be in because there's a lot of opportunity and they say you know and they're watching i don't know some they're watching mr robot or something they're like <laughs> i want to be a pen tester right so tell me like what was your initial draw to, to pen testing and then sure, and then so of course like right now now that you know more about other infosec fields like what's got you interested elsewhere Sure. So my initial draw to pen testing was I feel like it's uh, similar um, to the draw for people who hear about programming getting draw, drawn to uh, game development is it's the first kind of interface you have with it uh, where you get to see what it is um, and it excites you. And I, I growing up, you know, you see the Hollywood hacker movies and you're like, oh, that's so cool. Then you look into it and find out, oh, it's not actually how it works. And then you look into it some more and you hear about a position. You can be a hacker for a living you can hack companies for a living. And that kind of blew me away. And then uh, obviously it's a lot of report writing and stuff when you actually get down to it. And that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't want to go into that role as much is because I feel like I would get really bored of the report writing quickly. Um, and also having to interact with people who aren't interested in improving their security, which I hear is a common thing in penetration testing. Yeah, it sounds like most of what uh, what you'd have to do is, is uh, especially, well, it depends. I mean, there's internal pen testing, which is a little different, right? But if, yeah. you're, if you're an extra, if you're a consultant doing pen, you know, going from org to org doing, yeah. you know, contractual kind of pen tests, you you do run into that quite a bit. Um, yeah. So, so, okay, so you, you mentioned uh, threat hunting. 
so now that you've you've kind of peeled back the world of pen testing a little bit and saw what what was you know maybe the expectation there and and maybe didn't find it as interesting what what drew you to threat hunting sure so threat hunting interested me just because when you start immersing yourself getting into and following this the topic of information security on twitter on reddit on etc uh one of the most common positions everyone or is popular one people recommend for your first position infosec to get in the door is most most people say get your security plus and then get a SOC analyst position um i feel like that's probably one of the most common pieces of, of advice for people when they ask uh how to get in and i, I researched it uh the role of SOC analyst a bit. And I saw there's a, there's a couple of every SOC has typically has uh, different people are assigned to different duties. You'll have a threat hunter. You'll have someone uh, 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 doing a kind of administration. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too uh, knowledgeable in this area, but um, because I haven't been in a SOC yet, but I definitely want to, uh, Threat hunting seems the most interesting out of all those roles. And the idea of checking for um, creating um, alerts, uh, trying to uh, identify what the behavior a specific uh, malicious thing is doing, and then trying to create an alert for that behavior or a signature, um, and like kind of the right approach or the wrong approach. Um, and just kind of like, I feel like hunting uh, and looking for threats and being the, the person on guard sounds like a really exciting type of uh, position and responsibility. Yeah, I think uh, I think threat hunting is one of those roles that you typically get into uh, a little, you know, later in your career. Um, yeah. I kind of liken threat hunting in some ways to to red teaming on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of map map somewhat well so so the the evolution if you will might be you uh, on the offensive side you go you know vulnerability management maybe to start and then you get into pen mm-hmm. testing and then at the top end you get into red teaming as like the most advanced mm-hmm. and similarly on the blue side you might do you know come in as like a tier one right sock analyst right and then tier two you get into more maybe it's more like engineering, but I don't know, some, some like intermediate SOC uh, yeah. role. And then finally you kind of get into threat hunting as, as somewhat the, the more advanced, you know, of that chain. Um, that's the way I, the way I look at it. Uh, I've, I, I too have never been um, like a, I've never been a SOC analyst. I've never been on like a blue team in that sense. Um, so I'm sure there's somebody out there who who would know what that maybe that intermediate stage or what that that sequence is, but um, yeah, just my two cents there. Uh, but but I mean I think <clears throat> I think threat hunting is is you know it's it's cool. I, I think that would be something that uh, in an alternate reality I could have seen myself getting into. Who knows? I mean yeah, I've done a lot of other things. I feel like I've done everything other than like I've done <laughs> right. I've done pen testing. I've done a little bit of red teaming i've done security engineering yeah. cloud i've done uh uh like reverse engineering like malware analysis type stuff oh that's a, that's cool yeah it's uh i tried learning that uh i realized that if i want to be um reasonably uh skilled at it down the road i would have to dedicate some time to really uh getting a grip on assembly um and 
I'm not ready for the, I guess, that time investment right now with other, like, degree and certifications and side projects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, somewhat of a weird transition, but so WGU, so you see a lot of people on Reddit, right, asking about degrees, asking yeah. about certs, and one, th one common theme with degrees is a lot of people recommend WGU. In fact, one of my, one of my former coworkers uh is working on like he never went and got his degree and he's been working on it you know recently like he's like he's pretty much at my level uh but never got his degree but he wanted to go back and get his degree so he but he decided on WGU and I think uh in part because of their pricing structure and the way you can work through it really quickly but also because you know it, it comes highly recommended across the internet so I'm you know I haven't actually talked to him too much about that experience, but I think his experience is a little different because, uh, you know, he's somewhat senior. But I'm curious for you, you know, you know, do you think is it about, you know, beyond just like getting a degree, like having a piece of paper that says you have a bachelor's degree in InfoSec, like has it been valuable? Has the education been good? I think the education is about as good as uh, most, uh, like the, probably the median for colleges. But I think what is what's important to know before you ever uh, before you consider WGU is um, is that it's very much uh, you you have to be self-disciplined. You have to there's no one. It's not like you have a um, you're going to a classroom where you have you know the the teachers reminding you what the or telling you what the homework is. You, you have a classroom time you have to be there at, so you, you, you know you have an obligation to be there. It's very similar to, like, a gym membership versus working out in the house. Some people find it a lot easier if you have a gym membership because then you have to actually drive somewhere, so it's not e as easy just to walk away. And that's why it requires you have to be a little more self-disciplined if you're going to approach that. Definitely it's kind of translates to you know, self-studying IT certifications or security certifications versus taking like a uh, SANS uh, course on it or something. Um, you know, the, the professor is there. You can schedule time with them, but the lectures are recorded. Um, so if you're someone who's going to need a reasonable amount of assistance and you, uh, you tend to uh, struggle a bit with uh, the concepts uh, in year one, then maybe doing a uh, local college and then doing it for your third and fourth year would be a better bet. Um, but the reason I chose it was because the one, the pricing, because I, uh, one of the, one of the things financially I, I do not want to do is put myself in debt. I want like regarding getting a down payment on a house, uh, regarding getting a car, I've bought my car, completely outright um waited till i could do that but until then i ubered i i was very adamant that i want to avoid debt at, at all possible just because i feel like the stress of that is very uh overwhelming and then the second reason i chose it is because you can accelerate my my idea kind of like the thing i thought of which i feel like other people thought of too is i was going to basically prepare and take free like MIT open courseware courses on all the on all the courses that I'm going to be given that are in the cur curriculum before I uh, sign up and enroll that way I can 
accelerate through the class faster than if I didn't uh, review the material before. So you can definitely do stuff like that where it's go at your own pace and you can take the once you once your uh, your uh, program uh, mentor approves the actual uh, final exam, you can take it as soon as you want and you can just request approval a day before and you'll usually get it the next day. Um, so by doing that, you can essentially uh, prepare before you even start the degree program, learn about a lot of the topics, and then you can get out of the, and complete your degree much faster, which saves you money. Because basically how WGU structures their tuition is you pay upfront for, or I guess you can do a, a payment plan also, but you pay for a six-month period. And then every six months you have to pay the, the I think it's 3845 US dollars tuition again. Um, yeah. So I think the, that's, the benefit. I ahead. think it's a big draw, right? I mean, people, because people are trying to hack their way into uh, a job in InfoSec, right? And and it's not, for, yes. for whatever reason, despite the, you know, the amount of opportunity, the amount of jobs that are out there that you always you see on the you know news or in articles, you know, there's so many infosec jobs. Like, come get your like, yeah. you know, <laughs> six figure salaries type. You know, there's always those like, yeah. those articles, but it's still difficult. It was difficult for me, you know, ten years ago when I first got in, and it's difficult for people today. It hasn't changed. For some reason, it's just tough. Like once you're in, it's fine, but like it's tough to break in yeah. for some reason. And having a degree is often, you know something that you know whether it makes sense or not employers are asking for and i think wgu fills a hole that is you know much needed because you know a lot of people come out of college you know with you you've mentioned yourself like your fear of of having this debt and a lot of people come out with debt and infosec's not a bad place to land if you have a little bit of college debt because you can make good money and pay that off but i think wgu is smart and, and your approach to this is smart because you don't like I, nobody wants debt and you you don't really need like most most traditional degree programs for infosec even even today like at traditional schools they're not really teaching good infosec you're you're like you're, you're not you're not learning practical skills so by the time you get your degree in hand and you walk out and you say i'm this badass infosec guy you you find out that you really don't know anything and yeah like I, I have, I know people who got, you know, they, they, they get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree before they ever get their first job. And then they walk, you know, they walk into an interview and they say, have a master's degree. And the hiring manager says, why, you know, why do you have this? Like, what have you yeah. done any infosec stuff? Do you know anything? Um, so, and then that's the point I wanted to touch on. Sorry, cut you off. Yeah, no worries. Uh, that's the point I wanted to, that's the point I wanted to t uh, touch on is uh, how the importance of if you are going the degree route and you want to go for your bachelor's or master's, how important it is, important it is to do internships um, every year if you can. Um, to uh, to uh, if you can't uh, if you don't can't think of a project to do and you can't get an internship, then volunteer. I'm sure, there's a local school where you can volunteer and teach. Do a do a after after school class on uh, security. I'm sure you can you can find places to get experience that you can include on your resume. And then the second biggest thing is you. It's very important when you're in school because you're not going to be getting a lot of practical. You're going from a degree program. I feel like you get mostly theory. The majority is theory. So I think it's really important to figure out and invest in a home lab if you can't afford. 
like a a server or whatever, which most college students usually that's out of the bounds. I know for me it was. Then if you if you're type of a person that uh, plays games, then you know um, dual boot a uh, like ESXi on it or something and uh, connect to it on a laptop, or you can set up an array of Raspberry PIs and use those for virtualization. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff you can do to create a home lab for cheap. And what really is important in those years is to get deliberate practice with real world, uh, real world configurations. And um, so you get that working knowledge that you can uh, show in the interview room. Yeah. I think Raspberry Pis are like a, uh, you know, economical option, if you will. But you know what's even better than than that? Uh, and it's kind of two birds with one stone. Is spin up a free tier AWS account. Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah. Not only will you can you you know, and when I say free tier, I I, I mean that it you can spin up Linux. Mm-hmm. If you spin up all yeah. sorts of you know different things in AWS for free and play with it, you know, in a vacuum, just like learn more about Linux, for example. But you'll also be at the same time getting experience with AWS, which is probably arguably even more valuable than yeah. having Linux experience, for example. So I, I, I think there, there is something fun about having like a, like a tangible home lab at home, you know, have some blinking lights sitting next yeah. to you and have, you know, definitely not you, required though. You're right. You can definitely, uh, if you just want to try it out and, uh, you know, you can definitely do a home lab in the cloud. Uh, with the free tier. Uh, another thing is if you're going to a university and you have a EDU email, then there's a bunch of different resources. Like Microsoft has a developer uh, developer something center or something where you can go to it and there's a bunch of free resources. And one of them is, I remember I, I've used the heck out of it, uh, Pluralsight. There, there's a three-month uh, tr- uh, free trial you can get on Pluralsight. So... I, when I was like, I think, just got out of high school when I was thinking about if I wanted to do IT or not, I wasn't sure. I, I had like an old Visa gift card, um, and I just entered that and used that so I could get into the three-month trial. And I, I used some courses on there and just got a little uh, interaction with it. I know GitHub has a developer portal, and I believe there's a couple cloud providers that you get credit to if you haven't... Uh, through either GitHub uh, developer um, or uh, if you just go to them and you have an EDU account. They use, I think Google Cloud has something with like some benefit where you start off with like $150, $200 credit on your uh, developer account. Yeah, so I think the moral, he, I mean, that's, so that's all great advice. And the moral of that story is you should, as a student, everywhere you go, whether it's, you know, obviously getting accounts at cloud service providers or it's looking at uh, cert and training vendors or you know places that sell tools or training see if they have a you know in a, an education portal right see if they have incentives mm-hmm. for students because I've got a bunch of free stuff when I was doing my master's I got a bunch of free stuff by yep, exactly by, you know by through through just the sheer fact that I was a student right I had an edu account mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's a, that's, that's a great piece of advice. Yep. So let me ask you. Yep. So you, uh, well, obviously you have a home lab. Maybe you're doing something in there, but uh, <clears throat> like, what are you, what are you working on these days? Sure. So in the last week, I know I sent you my phone activity. I had a total of seven minutes average per uh, day in the last week. I've been uh, mean. I'm not going to send you mine. Friend. 
Actually, hold on. I'll, I'll look. I'll look mine up while while you're talking. But okay. I'm sure it's. I'm sure okay. it, it's sickening. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last uh, last week, me and two of my friends decided. Uh, I, I I found when I well let me let me loop back when I posted those two blog posts. I I got a dopamine shot when I saw people coming in looking at it, and I absolutely got addicted to the idea of blogging. So as a kind of a side project, I don't know if it's ever going to go anywhere, but three, me and two of my friends started uh, up a few different blogs. Uh, and we're just, we're, we're, we're just doing that as a, a passion project. What do you mean by a few I've different been, blogs? What do like you we started that? one on, um, uh, we started one, which was potent wisdom, which was, uh, for productivity organization and minimalism. And we just have oh, three, di- like three different idea. topics. Yeah, three different topics we cover. We're, well, one of the things we're thinking is going to be kind of a profit point down the road is, you know, Daniel Meisler, how he does the newsletter. Essentially that for, but for uh, productivity and organization minimalism. Then, uh, but we basically just be writing uh, articles on those three topics. And we have started another one, got the domain security, or no, sorry, linuxmac.com. Um, and that's where I'm going to be doing all the Linux content because that's where I'm probably most knowledgeable in right now um, is Linux and going to be doing that as a project and also privacy smack where I think there's a lot of uh, things going on in the news about uh, governments and or corporations infringing or cutting down on privacy. Um, I think there's a lot of good content you could cover in there. Yeah, so I, I... I guess I heard that you're doing that with a buddy of yours. One thing I would say is, I mean, I think, I mean, this sound like all kind of particular niches and they all, you know, it looks like you've created a blog for each. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, not possible for you to, to, you know, potentially link, have like all those under one umbrella. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's multiple ways you could do that. I mean, if you look at my blog, for example, I don't just post about InfoSec. Um, now there are ways that you can filter this based on just infosec if you really wanted to. It's definitely true. Uh, but having it all in one place, um, I think helps in terms of not spreading yourself too thin. Like I imagine if I, I agree, if I had three different blogs, right. Then, and you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to blog. Like it's hard. It definitely is. Independent, like. I, I kind of cringe saying this, but like you know, like content creator, if you will, but like yeah. person, like a like a person who writes stuff, right? It's who has a full time job or a family and other interests. Like it's hard to to, to write a lot, right? And to yeah, post so, stuff that you like. So by by having like five different blogs, you're gonna post something like one thing on each of those every couple of months. Whereas maybe you could have a, like a unified area, a unified place, right? Because other thing is, that, you have three different blogs. You're gonna be trying to do like all the other stuff that comes with a blog, you think, oh, like, I guess there are sites like Medium, right? Where you just write and you post and that's all. But like, when yeah. you have your own blog, yeah. you're doing, you're doing like SEO, yeah, yeah, you're doing, you're doing, you're looking at your, your yeah. theming stuff. Like if you look at, if you look at my blog, like I, I do, I spend half the time on my blog, like doing silly things that aren't writing. Like I'm, I'm adding stuff to these different like extraneous pages. I'm doing CSS yeah. work. I have like this, that JavaScript thing where all the little bubbles are floating around. I mess with that for like days just to like, you know, so you end up like 
I well, at least I do. Like I end up obsessing mm-hmm. about a lot of other things. No, um, I definitely do. I'm so imagine doing that like times five. <laughs> if you had like five yeah. blogs. Yeah. So right now we're looking at uh, run it where we're operating for. We're just getting it up and running, but we're probably uh, if we're we have a team of three. Our probably ideal amount is three because yeah, I think one person could technically uh, their workload and input could run a single blog. So we'll probably we're thinking this isn't really a plan, but we're most likely just whatever one is the least uh, least uh, interesting to the viewers or community that is getting the least traffic or whatever. Uh, and least uh, interest will probably end up cutting out. Um, if it's security, then I'm definitely not cutting it out. But uh, but um, but uh, if it's like privacy isn't really that interesting to people and people don't really care about it that much outside of the security and you know EFF community, then we may cut that out. I don't really know yet. It's very early on. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the statistics for seven days on those blogs because uh they were just stood up i think like four days ago i think privacy is very related to or uh, of of similar interest to the people who are interested in security so if if privacy looked like it was going to get the axe in this scenario that you've you've definitely yeah yeah, i would just merge it and if you want to we can put the if you're interested in sharing put those the names of those blogs in the show notes but if you could shout them out here too if you want sure yeah so uh, it's potentwisdom.com. Uh, that's the one that covers productivity, minimalism, and organization. Uh, LinuxMac.com, and that's going to cover uh, Linux types of uh, topics and articles. And PrivacySmack.com, which will cover you know things going on in the world involving privacy, essentially all things privacy. And then of course, I have my personal. Uh, blog that uh i published my security related stuff on creatorsecurity.com it sounds like well aside from creator sec but it sounds like i mean you use smack a couple times in there you could have like the over like an overarching uh yeah that was the goal called like smack media or something yeah i agree that that was the goal i was thinking of having like a hand with like this with like uh lines coming out looking like it's slapping something as the logo i'm not really sure yet it's very much in its early uh, infant stages. Yeah, no, I like this. There's a lot of there's a lot of I think there's a lot of creative potential there, especially. I mean, imagine having like, uh, like whatever you call it, right? You could have it something right, media smack, right? And you have a bunch, yeah. And, and on that, like kind of top mm. level blog, you link to all four, or that or you could true. have like a unified stream there, or you could, like, you can look at the unified stream, or you can just dump dive into like mm-hmm. all you care about is privacy. You click, you know, link here it takes you to Privacy Smack, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a fun project. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's really uh, it's 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 uh, once I get my degree uh, studying done and I do an hour, uh, hour and a half of certifications, um, it's the thing I'm itching for when I'm doing my study is getting started on working on blogs again. Just the Creator Security blog starting that um and then posting that first couple articles really got me hooked on it and i definitely it's something i enjoy yeah there's a lot of side benefits i I feel like a lot of people think oh i create a blog because you know i want i mean i guess people have different expectations going into it but what i find Mm -hmm. what i found right and i've been doing this for i don't know not that long like two years is that it it kind of breeds additional creativity 
um because you get invested in it and you and you know it's 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 kind of like brainstorming with yourself in a way you, mm-hmm. you know you, you one idea builds on another and you end up with something like the way my site looks now is way different than it looked from the beginning right <laughs> you put you put work into it and you have more creative yeah. ideas etc but the other thing is i think it, it yields opportunities beyond what your original expectations were unless unless maybe you had all all expectations but i didn't when i originally did this i thought well no one's really going to read it and it's really just going to be for myself but i found yeah. doing it for some time that in fact people do read it and it's the weirdest things that people find the most interesting uh and like i it's i don't get like i mean it's not like a super popular blog or, any, or by any means but people have reached out to me on like Twitter or, or wherever directly to uh, on LinkedIn even and saying, Hey, I saw your thing on. And I, you know, either I thought it was cool and just like kind of saying something nice to me, which is always good or, or asking me another question and beyond. So, yeah. so that's like the obvious expectations, but other things that have come from this is like the podcast. I never intended on doing a podcast, <laughs> but, but you know, now not only do I have a podcast and it's just kind of a fun side hobby, but now I've met people like yourself and other, you know, other people in the community. Yeah. And so it, it yields these sort of networking opportunities. I've had jobs who like the manager, like the day before, like the day before I interview, they went and looked at my site. And then the first thing they asked me when I sit down for the interview is, Hey, I saw your thing on, on your blog. and I thought <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, that's the coolest feeling I bet. Right. So it, yeah, you're like that. And then you think, like that's what it was all for, right? It was all for like yeah. those, like you're not gonna get, like don't don't walk into it thinking that you're gonna be given this like constant great feedback. It's it, yeah, I'd... maybe you will, but mine is very interspersed, right? Mm-hmm. I go through periods of time where I'm like, you know, maybe I like write stuff and it seems like I'm shouting into the void, but then you know, month like uh, weeks or whatever will go by and somebody says something nice. Right. Or I get some sort of good feedback and I'm like, there it is. Like, that's why I do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, really how I guess create the first blog I just started with that has the breaking into security articles on it. Um, came about was that I, uh, I, I was planning to move into security in the next several so months and I needed a place where I could prove myself, uh, prove what I know through projects and stuff. But I really never published an article to. I stood up the week before. I'm like, I'm gonna publish an article once I have an idea or something. Uh, eventually, I will and I'll do it. And then I was on Try Hack Me. Try Hack Me had a write a blog challenge, and I was like, Ooh, I wonder what would I write about. And I'm thought. Well, one thing I, I've kind of come to know a decent bit about just from having to go through it myself is breaking into InfoSec. Uh, uh, so I was thinking, oh, I could write on that. And then it quickly turned from writing a blog because of a challenge on TriHackMe to writing a blog because I was really enjoying explaining all this stuff and going into detail and like uh, exercising that type of creative uh, aspect of that everyone I feel like has. Right, right, right. And, and, you know, I, I write literally about everything that I do, like anything and everything, you know, mm-hmm. if everything from working on like a cert and I write about that or write a review of it to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, mundane things. I mean, I think I've written a couple of things that are even like not that, not particularly InfoSec related recently, just because that's like, I don't know. That's where your interest is at. 
Right. But I think that's an important thing to, I, f- I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, like infosec's not their life. Like I do a lot of infosec stuff. I wouldn't say it's my life, but I, I, I spend a lot of time doing that sort of stuff. But people might get into it and think, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't be interested in writing about infosec all the time. But my, my argument is that you don't, you don't need to be right. If, if, if that's your job, then, and you're doing it eight hours a day at a, you know, minimum or whatever, you, you have a lot to write about. You just have to make time to do it, but you're also allowed to write about, you know, whatever you want, stick it on your board. I definitely think that's true. I think, uh, if, it, I think that's one of the worries I had when I, when I first launched it was that, um, I, I would, after writing the first article, I'm like, oh, I really want to write about productivity, but that's a really good point that I think I didn't, uh, uh, really, uh, think about or consider is that really, if you have, let's say blog post and security and blog posts on another topic, let's say suit making, cause I saw someone tweet something out about that. Then, um, then S- you could... soup, super suits, like a suit. Like... Sorry. Like some, I, I saw, sorry, it just came to mind. I saw someone in the infosec community. Uh, I wish I knew their name so I could, uh, mention them, but I guess while the quarantine was happening, they learned how to make business suit. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I could go for either. So... I think I'd probably be more interested in soup, though. You know, eat some soup. <laughs> yeah, um, but basically, what, there's your, what there's your saying... other blog idea, soup smack. <laughs> yeah, um, but basically, yeah. So I think if a if someone reading your blog doesn't want to read about whatever other topic, let's say productivity, for example, then they just won't go to that category in your blog. Just have it divided in categories or in sections and the people who are interested in one thing will go to one thing people interested in the other thing will go to the other thing yeah i've been meaning to put like three little click up like toggleable buttons yeah on my thing that so people can just you know like i don't care about your tesla reveal. oh that's cool idea like a filtering type of thing yeah you just they is, just, that, is that what you're saying yeah, yeah they just hit I, it and it toggles off all of the because my cause oh i i tag right all my posts and oh, okay. i have these like top level categorical tags just mm-hmm. one is called infosec one one's called tech and one's called life right so they could just yeah. be like i don't give i don't i i only come here for your awesome infosec insights yeah joking there but like yeah. they can toggle <laughs> they can toggle off right the the other you know non-infosec related things that i will sometimes post about like i I, i'm like a big like apple nerd so sometimes i post about like stuff going on in the apple community and and i'm also a big kind of tesla fanboy so so and i I don't post about tesla i think this is it'd be it'd be interesting if you sorry for cutting you off if if you could take that to the extreme and just have the same website on github pages but just three different versions for whether you have a, a specific cookie set. Like the website's completely different for a different purpose. Like it'd probably require some convoluted development, but um, that'd no. be that'd yeah. be interested. I don't think so. I mean, you could have you could have subdomains. You just auto yeah. I guess you do subdomains, but what I'm guessing is I've never really seen people design that have the same domain. Obviously, you can do subdomains and just have a different one for each one, but the same domain uh, doesn't really serve any benefit or purpose. I think it would just be kind of quirky. <laughs> I, I think with JavaScript, you could, I mean, you can write HTML in a flash, right? Yeah. So it could just oh, evaluate true. your yeah. evaluate your stored cookie and then write the HTML yeah. out, right? 
So you could do that. There you go. There's a there's a post for you. See, everything could be everything. That's what I should do. Everything can be a post. (laughs) That's why I should have named that my that one piece. You see that dog walking down the street? It's a post. (laughs) Right. It's a turn it into a post. Oh man. So so, what are you uh like? What what's 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 kind of like your big hurdle right now? Right. You say you're trying to get into uh you know you're trying to get into a sock role, threat hunting role. You say you're Mm -hmm. cloud infra engineer, right? And it's not overly infosec related if at all uh, it's a little sure. kind of click and push so so what's what's like the mountain you're climbing right now what's what's sure the, the big the mountain i'm climbing is um essentially i think it's better to talk about the mountain that i i faced before when i was trying to get in and then we can get to that uh to add some context so when before i got this cloud infrastructure position um i tried going straight into security. I tried just uh, uh, learning some stuff, hoping, because I, I heard that, uh, this was early on, I heard that, uh, you know, the whole, you see those blog posts where they're like, unfilled positions, million unfilled positions. Um, they're taking people out of college and stuff. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I didn't have a degree, so I was just going off my A plus and Linux plus. Um, and I didn't really have any luck in like the month or so I tried. Um, and I really think my big, the big hurdle I faced there was accreditation, uh, because I didn't have experience to prove myself in security. I had to get some form of accreditation. So if I, so the, the, the hurdle I faced then was not having my security plus. Uh, so probably the hurdle I face now is getting my security plus and also brushing up on uh, topics like networking and Linux. Like I've, I've read through uh, the network plus uh, textbook and kind of studied that and also CCNA textbook just to learn the different stuff, but not actually to get the cert. And I think I need to really get myself up to spec with, um, being able to answer tough interview questions and and technical and kind of really knowing that stuff on the spot because I I feel like when I started the degree program, I put less time into the the topics that you would want going into security, the foundations like Linux networking, scripting, Windows, um, and security like theory. And I I think I put more time into my degree program. So, I think that's something I have to compensate for now is getting uh, dusting off the cobwebs and getting all those fundamental uh, foundational areas um, back up to par. And then I think I'll be good to go on the job search once I get my security plus. So you're not actively searching now? Uh, no. So I, I uh, basically the reason, only reason I'm not searching right now is I'm not sure how familiar familiar you are with it, but I basically with contract to hire, I got brought on as contract to hire. They're like, oh yeah, you'll get picked up within a year. Um, and then I find out this company just has a really bad policy of just leaving people as contract, even though they brought them in as contract to hire, oh, man, kind of yeah. just milking their contract. And I don't want it to look on my on my LinkedIn that I was contract for a year and a half. So. I've kind of made put some uh, put some heat under the or some fuel under the flame to kind of get an offer out, and probably shortly after I get an offer, 
I'm going to start searching. To, that way I can at least list that as full-time. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that, to be honest. Uh, you like Your resume is... I mean, obviously, you don't want to lie on a resume, but I don't think that's lying. If you, like Wherever you work now, like let's say you work at yeah. Amazon as a contractor... You don't have to like. I don't. I personally don't list the con like the cons, mm. you know the the you know the firm that I technically work for that like signs my oh, paychecks. Okay, I just yeah. say I worked for Amazon. I mean that's the work that I was doing. Yeah, I was a contractor, but I you know I don't. I, I guess maybe there is like I think I think a resume is a, is uh, there's a lot of artistic uh, yeah choices that you make on there to to you know represent yourself and. You know the people like people who work as contractors for Google. I would say you should put that you work that you work for Google, or put Google and say yeah, like yeah. As, you know as a so and so con you know employee or something. But mm -hmm. in this area, um, I mean, really in any anywhere, you know, being a contractor is not. I mean, it's not a dirty word, and they don't. Really, and I don't think anyone really cares. They they care about your experience. Sure. It wasn't so much contractor, but the fact that uh, I was a contractor for a year and a half. I feel like to some hiring managers, if they didn't know the, you know, the history of that company with contracts, they, it'd be a red flag. Like, why didn't you get brought on or whatever? I didn't want to paint that image. I don't think so. That's my that. only concern. I don't you don't think, think so? Okay. I don't think people would think that. I would never think that. And they also they won't they don't know that you're in a contract to hire situation. There's a lot of True. people who are contractors because they just want to be contractors. Oh, right? that is true. They okay. jump they jump gig to gig. I mean, not everyone wants a full-time gig. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, yeah. get, you get typically you get paid more as a contractor because you're not getting, you know, typical benefits that you get as a full-time employee. Yeah. So you you especially in you know further in your career, there's a lot of contractors who make you know a lot of money, right? They bill at 150 an hour, right? They don't get benefits or full-time mm -hmm. money, but they you know they work a gig for six that months is true, yeah. and they move on to something else. Like being a contractor is not a that's true. It's not a, yeah, I guess I probably had a false misconception of that. Yeah. Um, definitely something worth to uh, reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks again, uh, Kyle, and uh, uh you know, <clears throat> uh, we can uh, we can organize V two. Sure. Yeah. Part two. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Awesome. See you, Kyle. Bye. I know we, we talked a little bit before we got into the podcast. I know we kind of just met, but um, I think we kind of dove into some interesting stuff here. And I think <laughs> there's, yeah. I, I'm curious. I, I do want to have a follow up regardless, uh, yeah, whether, it's on, the, whether be, it's on the yeah, podcast or not. I, I'm interested in some of these other uh, projects you're working on. The the one, so you, you had the one about like organization. So I, I've had this idea because mm -hmm. I'm really, uh, we actually probably are very similar in this regard, but I'm, I'm very particular about my, digital stuff and like like you know like I, I i think i have a whole post on on inbox zero right which is a, probably a concept yeah. you're familiar with um so i, I do I, like i i have a lot of these sort of like organiz like digitally organizational like uh yeah minimalism yeah you, have you read cal newport's book digital minimalism i haven't no okay the, you have to check that out before the next time we uh we do it. Uh, definitely some good topics in there to talk about. Definitely dives into uh, kind of lowering your amount of uh, distractions when it comes to 
you know, clutter with uh, using technology. 